Thank you very much. It's wonderful to be with you today. See some faces I know and some faces I don't know. And so it's good to be in the UK, especially when the sun is shining. Sometimes I miss summer because it's a day or two and uh, when I come here, but it's been all the whole time I've been here, I'll be here for 10 days and the sun's been shining virtually every day. So that's a, a great plus. Give you greetings from America, greetings from my family. Uh, we're healthy and well. I think, uh, you know, I've had a new granddaughter. I think when I was here, I was here last, but my granddaughter was tiny little because she was born in 2020. 2020 was a good year for me. And so babies were born. Um, I want to talk to you about who is God today. And I'm inviting Holy Spirit, who is also God, to uh, impart to us, activate in us something of life. When God speaks, life happens. You always know when God speaks because life happens. Uh, at home, I have some trees. I have fruit trees in my, my garden. I have pear trees and apple trees. I have grapevines. And I'm very brave. I planted a fig tree in my garden. And it's the kind of fig that you could grow around here if you were very cautious. You have to cover it in the winter a bit because it gets cold. But I love figs. And where I live, figs are not abundant. But I want just a fig tree. So I care for my fig tree. And last year, my fig tree was doing good. It's very young. It had a few figs on it. I think it had five figs. I, I ate the five figs. But it has the destiny to be a fig tree. Kind of like you. You have the destiny to bring fruit. But you start out small. Maybe you have five figs or so. And God gets excited about your figs. The world, your world gets excited about your figs. And then this spring... I went outside and I've had a war with the rabbits. I have had a war with the rabbits at my house. I, I have had to excommunicate 48 rabbits from my garden. Uh, don't ask me how I excommunicated them. They just don't live in my garden anymore. So that's enough of that. Uh, and, and my granddaughter, she's three. She knows we don't want rabbits in our garden. She, she's, she, she helps me get rid of the rabbits. She tells me when there are rascally rabbits. See, there's a difference between fuzzy bunnies and rascally rabbits. But anyway, the rabbits had chewed on my fig tree a little, so I was a little concerned. You know, sometimes you get chewed on a little bit and you get a little concerned. Am I going to be okay? I got chewed on a little bit. The, the rabbits in the winter, they chewed on some of the bark of the tree. So this spring, it was colder than usual. It was cold, long spring. We usually have we usually have March, and then we have April, we have May, then we shift into, into January, and then we go into July. That's kind of how our seasons go. Uh, but this year we had, we had Marchuary, Mayuary, Apiary, Mayuary, and actually at the end of Mayuary it shifted into in a, a real May, and then we had some June, and now we've kind of kicked back into January, hoping to find July. I hope you understand what I'm trying to tell you. It was a cold spring. And so in that, my fig tree was very slow in waking up. And so at the end of April, I went on a 24-day trip. I've been traveling a lot. And I went to South Africa. I was in South Africa for a considerable time. Great place. I'll be there again in the next year. And 
And then I went to Angola, my second time there this year, and then I was in Portugal. So I was out for 24 days. And every day I talked to my wife, because that's a wise thing to do if you want to still be a husband, talk to your wife every day. And uh, thank goodness for uh, technology that allows that to happen. So I would FaceTime her, that's my preference, to see her. Face-to-face -face is better, but FaceTime is better than no time. So FaceTime with her. And I would ask about the fig tree. I would say, how, how are we doing on the fig tree? She said, oh, honey, I'm a little concerned. I'm, I'm not seeing anything on the, on the fig tree. I don't know about the fig tree. And I said, well, watch the grapevines. It'll follow the grapes. When the grapevine pops out a leaf, then the fig tree will follow. So she's watching, she's watching. Finally, she says, honey, there's leaves coming out on the grapevines. I said, okay, watch the fig tree, watch the fig tree. Then a week later, honey, I'm a little concerned about the fig tree. There's no, there's no, no leaves. Sometimes we get concerns, you know. Where's the fig leaf? This seems like a cold spring. Seems like a little longer season than we wanted it to be. And then right before I came home in May, after 24 days, I think 20 days, 21 days on the road, she says, honey, there's a leaf on the fig tree. Oh, I got excited. By the time I got home, there were several leaves. And then right now, the tree is totally covered with leaves. So the fig tree is alive. Now, the fig tree is going to do beautiful things, wonderful things, because I'm a fig eater. I like figs. So the fig tree is going to make me come alive. Now, the fig tree is not going to make the whole world come alive. It's just a little fig tree. It's growing in my garden. It, it probably, you know, I go to South Africa, my fig tree probably never going to get a plane ticket and go to South Africa. Um, when I'm in Bulgaria, wonderful things happening there. My fig tree will probably never go with me. But I'll go to Bulgaria and there are figs there. They'll, they'll probably make me come alive because I'll have some figs while I'm there, no doubt. But my little fig tree lives in my garden and it brings life to my world. It brings life through its green leaves. It's a joy to go out in my garden and see my fig tree, and it ministers to my soul. It, it says, here I am, here I am, and it just it glistens in the sun. It's, its variations, its various colors of green just bring life to my world, and I enjoy sitting on my little seat back there that swings a little bit as I listen to the birds and the waterfall and my ginormous pond, right? I have a huge pond. And... Uh, the fig tree will then put out some little figs and at some point I will get to eat some of those figs. And so maybe this year I'll get more than five figs. It's still young, but it's growing. Every season of the fig tree, I expect there'll be more figs. It'll get taller as I love it and I take care of it. But the fig tree brings life to its world. Now, you are like a tree. You are like that fig tree. You were meant to bring life to your world. Prophecy, I've been honored and called Prophet Ted. Okay, that, that's, a, that's a truth, but it's kind of a religious way of saying something. And if we're really honest, you know, uh, a pastor is someone who cares, a teacher is someone who mentors, <laughs> uh, an evangelist is someone who reaches out with life. A prophet someone who simply activates the voice. God speaks and life happens. 
An, an, an apostle plants, establishes, builds, expands, releases, sends forth inheritance. So these are things that happen, but God really wants a body that has those attributes. We need the, the gifts, the nouns, to help the body take on those attributes. So I'm going to talk to you about the attribute of being prophetic. How do we become people that speak and life happens? Like my fig tree. Now, my fig tree doesn't need information to be a fig tree. It doesn't need, uh, I'm sure there is a, there's the Bible of figs. I'm sure you can find it on Amazon. If you Google, you probably find the Bible of figs, the book of figs. You could probably find somebody has written something all about figs. Matter of fact, I have on my phone, in my notes, I have how to feed figs. I found it on Google. What to feed, how to feed, how to dig, how to... How to I, I have a whole article on my notepad, how to prune figs. Now, I didn't, uh, I didn't uh, grow up having dreams about pruning fig trees, or I didn't grow up thinking about, let's see, a fig tree... They need this kind of a pH in their soil, and uh, they need this kind of dirt. I never dreamt about that. I've read some things, which is good to read things. <laughs> it's good to read things that you have the right information. So we read our Bibles, but our Bibles are much more than information. They're a testimony to our intimate connection with God. So our intimate connection with God causes us to take on the attributes, the characteristics that we find in the Word of God. All of those things that we find in the Word of God are actually hidden in creation as well. The law, the Torah, which is the first five books of your Bible, can be summed up in ten commandments, but it's really the Torah, the story of God and man, the first five books. And those books, they reveal the story as God said, this is how you say it. Uh, even Genesis 1, there was nobody there taking notes. I mean, Adam was there, but he wasn't taking notes. He didn't have a video camera. He wasn't, wasn't recording with a microphone. It wasn't until long after that God inspired Moses to put it into script. <laughs> and God told Moses how to say it. Now, I don't care what it looks like from outside in perspective. I don't care what the, the scientist thinks it looks like or what I think it looks like or, or how I think it is. I want to know how does God say it is. And God doesn't communicate for information. God always communicates for transformation, for activation. So my fig tree, back to the fig tree. I'm, I'm, this is my introduction. It's a great introduction. I'm getting somewhere because I'm talking about who is God. Now, my, my fig tree, uh, probably inside it knows there is a God. It, it does. But it, it is not human. It's, I'm, I'm different than my fig tree. and um, My fig tree, in a sense, doesn't even speak if I'm talking about audio sounds. If it does, I definitely can't hear it. I don't, have, you know, I don't have the headphones that hear what a fig tree sounds like. Maybe it makes some kind of a sound. I don't know. Uh, but it, it, uh, it just it wakes up. It wakes up and, and it lives. So it's in my, in my ground, in my garden, and it's planted in the soil. And because it's planted in the soil, it can 
becomes something in this world that's an expression of what it's joined to, who it's joined to, what it's joined to. Okay? Now, it's joined to creation, and all of creation speaks of God. It's joined to God in the sense of God holds all things together. He, he made everything. Everything was made by his word, through his word, for his word. It's an expression of him. All of creation is a wonderful teacher. If you ever have a hard time understanding your scripture, take a walk in creation. But don't walk in the local mall. Because that's human creation. Don't walk in the local street. Go find a tree. Go find some flowers. Uh, uh, you know, in this busy, there, oh, there's some flowers right there. They could teach you something about God. Some grass right there. Not the kind you smoke, but there's some grass right there. They could teach you something about God. Okay, So go find something that God, the creator, made and let him talk to you about who he is. So the fig tree, it was connected, and so it came alive, and then it affects its world. Same with us. When we're connected to the source of who we are, where we come from, then we can become who we're meant to be for our world. Jesus said this at the end of his life. His friends, his disciples were following him around, and, and he said this at the end of his life. In John 17, he says to the Father, he says, Father, I, I did not pray for the world. Jesus said, I did not pray for the world. I prayed for those that you gave me, and I did not lose a single one that you gave me except for the one that I was supposed to lose. And that probably was even a tender spot in the heart of Jesus. I lost the one I was supposed to lose, but he probably didn't want to lose it. <laughs> so he prayed for his world. Okay. Now, when I talk about who is God, God is God of all the world, but he's very interested in your world. And the way he saves the world is by saving your world. And the way he saves your world is by you becoming the voice. He's the word, you're the voice. He's the notes, you're the song. He's the paint, you're the painting. He's the, he's the storyline, but you're the story. Uh, he's the, the metaphors, but you're the poem. You're the expression of him. And why are you an expression of him? Because your world needs life. Your world is dependent upon leaves for healing. It's dependent upon figs for food. It's dependent upon you becoming a giver of life. Now that can only happen when you know who God is. So what is it that defines God? In Genesis chapter 2, we see, um, well, first of all, Genesis 1. Genesis 1 Chapter 1 through verse 3 up to verse 4 of chapter 2 is a perspective of God. By the way, there are no chapters and verses in, in the scripture, not until the 1200s, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament. So it's meant to be understood through relationship, not through fact. It's meant to be understood through story, not through simple scriptures. And wonderful thing, we have these chapters and verses 
But chapters and verses help us find things, but they've also made us judgers instead of givers of life. The scripture itself doesn't make us judges, but scriptures quoted by verse and chapter can make us judges. We can take things out of context, even as simple as hate your father and your mother. There's a verse for that. <laughs> but in the context of the whole story, God never wants you to hate your father and your mother. He just wants you to know the love of God that powerfully. So in the story, in, in Genesis 1 through Genesis 3, is how God sees a situation. In the beginning, the earth was formless, void, and dark. And the Spirit of God was hovering. God himself in his spirit was hovering over the deep. Now, how that is that way, whether it always was that way, became that way, is irrelevant. Anything beyond that, as far as my relationship with God is concerned, is none of my business. There's a scripture in Jeremiah, I believe it's chapter 4, verse 23, somewhere in there, where Jeremiah is trying to appeal to God's people about a relationship with God. And he's saying, listen to God, come to God, come to me, come to me, return to God, return to God. That's the essence of what the weeping prophet Jeremiah is calling out for. And then in his perceiving in the realm of heaven, he says, I looked and I beheld and the earth was formless. It was void. It was dark. And all the birds of the air had fled, and there was no man. And uh, for God had destroyed the communities. <laughs> oh, wow, what is that about? Okay, if I want to know what is that about, here's what the Holy Spirit says to me. Well, Ted, that's really none of your business. The only reason that the prophet said it was, he's trying to say, God deals with stuff. So listen. He dealt with stuff before. Well, what was that stuff? None of your business. It wasn't your world. It was a world beyond your world. And the prophet simply saw it in the spirit, not to give you information about a world that's not your world, but to tell you that God is the one who loves you in your world, and he can deal with things that, that are causing you to be disconnected from him. There are many things. Uh, the Bible doesn't say a lot about, it, it doesn't say a lot about angels. It says there are angels. We see a lot of angels. But it doesn't give you all the details of what those angels do and how they are. Why? It's none of our business. They serve us. They work with us. But if we seek to say that I want to study all about angels, I want to study all about angels, I'm missing the point of my world and I'm leaving the boundaries of my world to live in some other world. And I can only give life to my world. Authority is not control. Authority is release. Authority means you have too much of something, and so therefore you are required to give it away. This bottle has the authority of water. Because it's full of water. And... You get nervous like that, right, if I do that, because you've experienced water. So authority means you have too much of something, and you give it away. Authority always gives life. Power without authority always takes life. And the world is functioning in a world of power because they lost authority. 
And authority only comes by knowing who God is in your world. Hmm. So, in the beginning, God, form, he looks at what's formless, void, and dark. You know, I, I'm 50 years old in Christ, 68 years old on planet Earth this year. I'm doing okay. I run six miles almost every morning, still do. And uh, so I try to keep in shape. I pray in tongues a lot. That's more important than running six miles. Before I begin to run, I speak in tongues. While I run, I speak in tongues. I speak in tongues all day. Why? I need more mystery than I do knowing what to do. I need less of my brain and more of Holy Spirit. I need thoughts from the inside out, not thoughts from the outside in. Even Jesus said, what will be the sign? Someone came to him and said, what will be the sign of the coming of your kingdom? I wish we would listen to Jesus' words instead of adding to them. What will be the sign of the coming of your kingdom? Man, I hear that question all the time. What will be the sign of the coming of your kingdom? Luke 17, verse 20, verse 21, he said, the kingdom of God does not come by observation. In other words, the kingdom of God has nothing to do with what you can naturally see. But the kingdom of God is within you. Uh -huh. So, and what's the purpose of the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is meant to transform your kingdom to be a kingdom of your Lord in Christ. What's the secret to your marriage? The kingdom of God. What's the secret to your life? The kingdom of God. What's the secret to this church? The kingdom of God. What's the secret to your job? The kingdom of God. But you know what? The kingdom of God is not going to do your work for you. Okay, And, and so we say, oh, we, we, we say crazy things. We say, in trying to understand who is God, we say, well, you know, uh, God, is, God is in control. Really? Would you show me that verse? I can show you a verse where he says he's in charge. He owns it all. But I can also show you a verse that says, what is man that you're mindful of him? You made him a little lower than... Elohim, you made him a little lower than plural God, angels, and you crowned him with glory and honor, and what? Gave him dominion over the works of your hands. You've been given dominion over the works of God's hands in your world. So who's in control? You are. Now the question is, are you intimate with the one who's in charge? Because if you're not intimate with the one who's in charge, then your world is going to fail. If your marriage fails, it's not because... The sovereign God caused your marriage to fail. It's because you didn't get intimate with the one who has the ability to be sovereign, but is not defined by his sovereignty. He's defined by his love. <laughs> All right. So I've been around a while. I wasn't in Genesis, but my life has been formless, void, and dark a few times. And when that happens, God loves it. Because he can be himself in that environment. When you are, you have all form, you're totally full, and you call all the things that you see light, God has a difficult time being himself. Jesus himself could not do very many miracles in this hometown because they saw him as the son of Joseph, the brother of his family, Joseph's sons. So they saw him as a common carpenter working in his dad's carpenter shop. And so 
he couldn't do very many miracles, even though he's God, he's the son of man, but he's the son of God. He's a testimony of someone who's connected fully to God. He also said the traditions of men make the word of God of no effect. He said that to the Pharisees. So that our traditions can hinder God working in our lives. Now, what is it that defines God? Okay, so the story of God looks at a situation. He speaks. He's going to bring, he's going to bring life. He's going to bring order, fullness. He's going to bring light. And then in Genesis 2, he creates man. He says, this is the history of God and man. So this is not chronologically following Genesis 1. It's how did it feel? Okay. May 12, 1973, I was in bondage to drugs. I was in bondage to a very bad speech and a very bad lifestyle. I stuttered, I stammered, and I used bad words. And I was a taker, not a giver. I lived every day to get. To get, get, get. I was the most popular guy in my neighborhood, not for good reasons. And then Holy Spirit was brooding over my heart, and I was born again. I lost my life only to discover that I actually saved it. And I laid my life down only to discover that I finally was able to finally pick it up. And I became a new creation. So I was formless, void, and dark. God didn't see me as that. He saw me as his son. But then, how did it feel? Genesis 2, he took dust. He formed man. I remember his hand. Do you remember his hand coming on you? If you haven't felt that, let his hand touch you this morning. He's intimately involved with you. He wants you to feel his touch. He wants you to know that he's willing to move into your world and put his hands on your dirt, put his hands on your soil. So he formed man, he breathed in him the breath of life, and then he placed him into the garden. And this is what he said in verse 16 of Genesis 2. The Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Okay, so this is what God said. He commanded man to eat of every tree of the garden, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, if you eat that, you will die. Religion interprets that verse to say this. And God said, don't you dare eat that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat that tree, I will kill you. I will judge you. God didn't say that. What he said, he commanded man to eat, 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 eat. He commanded him to eat of every tree of the garden. Eat, 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 eat. Don't touch that one, it'll kill you. He didn't say, I'll kill you. He said, if you eat that one, you will die. Don't touch that. That will kill you. Eat, 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 eat. I command you. Eat, 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 eat. Life, 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 life. Don't touch that. It will kill you. So he's he's a giver. It says, of all the trees, they were pleasing to the eye. They were good for food. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil had one difference. 
It made you smart. It made you wise. It was pleasing to the eye. I know I've preached the sermons on, you know, the lust of the flesh, the, the, the lust of the eye and the pride of life, because that tree was pleasing to the eye. It was good for food. Well, all the trees were pleasing to the eye. All the trees were good for food. That's what God said. It all looks good. It's all good. You can eat what is pleasing to the eye and taste good as long as it's not something that disconnects you from me. As long as it's not, long as it's not something that meets your needs apart from me. As long as it's not something that defines who you are. As long as it's not something that makes you wise. For some people, they can do one thing. Other people can't do that same thing. Because when they do it, it makes them wise. Huh. Eating food is a good thing. But if you, if you get your... If, if eating food is your comfort... <laughs> if eating food is your comfort, it, oh, you know, going into creation is a wonderful thing. I love going into creation. But if you go into creation to get your identity from creation, then it's idolatry. It makes you independent. It make you get your wisdom. Where do you get your wisdom from? Ooh, should I touch one? I will. Jesus said to the Pharisees. Pharisees are wonderful. They're wonderful. They're fair and they see. They're Pharisees. They, they have the scripture memorized. They knew all the scripture. They knew the scripture so much they were wiser than anyone else on planet earth in the scriptures. But you know what? They had made the scriptures their teacher. And Jesus said, you search the scriptures thinking that in John 5, 24, you search the scriptures thinking that in them is salvation, but let me tell you the truth, the scriptures testify of me. When Jesus was in the wilderness and he was tempted by the devil, if you're the son of God, command these stones to become bread. And he said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mountain of God. Was he quoting Deuteronomy or was Deuteronomy quoting him? Was he saying it's written in the Torah? Or was he saying it's written in my heart? It's written in my mind. I cast the shadow that is the Torah. I am the living word that the word testifies of. Why? Because the Torah is not my teacher. The Spirit of God is my teacher. Holy Spirit is your teacher. I can be teaching you today, but I'm not your teacher. You have an anointing within you, and that's the teacher, because only God's Spirit can transform you. Only God's Spirit can make you come alive. When it's outside of God's Spirit, it can make you wise. <laughs> and when it makes you wise, the end result is, is the knowledge of good and a knowledge of evil. It's good. But it's got one too many O's. It's not God. It's just good. <laughs> So, God commands man to eat of every tree. Then in Genesis 3, the woman, she gets deceived. Adam eats, and because they're one flesh, when Adam eats, one is deceived, the other eats, now man sins. Now man has chosen to be disconnected from the root source of their future 
testimony, to the identity, testimony, and purpose gets affected here. Verse 6 of chapter Genesis 3. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, nothing wrong so far, but then, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed big leaves together and made themselves coverings. Okay? You see that? Now, who told them to be ashamed? They covered themselves with figs. They were naked. Who told them to be ashamed? Did God tell them to be ashamed? No. Their disconnection from life and their connection to knowledge of good and evil left them in a condition that was not true to their identity. <laughs> and then God comes in Genesis 3 verse 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. A normal day in the garden. Like the previous day and the day before that, they heard the sound of the God walking in the garden. How does faith come? Okay, so God is coming in his usual way so that they can hear him. <laughs> so that their world is not determined by their world, but their world is determined by their connection to the one who created the world. I'm going to say it again. He came walking in the cool of the day so that their world would be shaped by their influence through their connection with the one who made their world. But now they're disconnected from the one who made their world. They're disconnected from the one who made them to the point that they, they still have this mandate to be fruitful, multiply, fill, subdue, and have dominion, but they've lost the ability to subdue and have dominion. Because they've disconnected from life. I'm going to give you a definition of subdue. Okay, I started out by saying, you have your world. God is interested in your world, your family, your life. You live in the world, but you are not of the world. You've been given your world to do something with it. You have a choice this morning. You can be shaped by your world, shaped by the world, or you can fulfill the mandate of who you are for your world. You are supposed to eat, 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 so that you can be fruitful, you can multiply, you can fill, but you are also supposed to subdue, which means you are supposed to destroy death with life. In other words, you destroy darkness with light. You destroy hopelessness with hope. You destroy sickness with health. You destroy death with life. You're a giver of life. You have to be an expression of life to change your world, to subdue it. And then you have to exercise dominion. And what is dominion? Dominion is to crumble every lie with truth. Because in your world, outside temptations are going to try to get you to be someone you are not. In the world, there is an identity war going on. 
to try to get people to be someone they are not. And we are light. We are salt. We're supposed to become who we are meant to be as sons and daughters of God to bring life to our world. Don't be distracted by the world. God has given you a world. And he wants you to pray for those that God has given you. Don't pray for the world in the same way that the Father sent Jesus. The Father has sent you to your world to be a giver of life. To be a giver of identity. Even Adam, the very first task he was given was go tell the animals who they are. And God didn't tell them who they, didn't tell Adam, this is what you name them. He said, go and name the animals, which in some sense means the animals did not know who they were. So one created being who knew who he was went to creation to tell creation who they were. Now, how did Adam know who he was and the animals didn't know who they were? Because to the animals, God was God, the creator. But to Adam, God was something more than God, the creator. I'm getting somewhere. Because I'm asking you, who is God this morning? He's got to be something more than the creator of the universe. He has to be something more than the creator of the world. You've got to know who he is, not just what he does. <laughs> and so this God walks in after Adam has and Eve have made the big mistake. <laughs> and he says, where are you? And they said, we heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, Adam says, because I was naked. I hid myself, and God says, who told you you were naked? Who told you you were naked? Who told you you needed to be ashamed? You see, sin didn't stop God from seeing Adam for who Adam really was. I have really good news for all of Manchester today. Sin did not create a problem for God. It created a problem for you. God's world is not in trouble. He said, you can pray like this. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That means as it is in heaven is perfect. There's never been trouble in heaven. When there was trouble, that which was not a testimony of God went out. One third was cast out. Two is the number of witness. Three is the number of God. Whether it was a literal one third or a literal two thirds, simply two thirds, a witness of God remained faithful. That which was not a witness of God fell like lightning. One third, that which was not a witness of God cannot live in the presence of God. Oh, thank you, God. That which is not a witness of you cannot remain in my life so that what is a witness of you will always remain in my life. One third will be removed, but two thirds will always remain. The witness of me will always be removed, but the witness of Christ in me will always prevail. Two thirds will never fail. By the way, if you're pruning trees, don't take more than a third on a usual tree. You'll kill it. I used to be a hard-nosed prophet, used to prune my trees prophetically. Church got nervous when I pruned my trees. And then I talked to a pastor friend who was a landscaper, and he taught me, don't ever take more than a third, you'll kill the tree. <laughs> so God does this. When on man's worst day, your worst day, 
Maybe today's your worst day, or you had your worst day. Maybe you had a really worst day, and today's kind of a mediocre day. Uh, maybe you, you, you messed up some this week. You made some mistake. There was an eat, 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 command last week. You woke up this week, and, and the Holy Spirit said, eat, 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 eat. And then somewhere along the line, you thought you needed something to make you wise other than God. And so you ate that, but you didn't eat it because it was pleasing to the eye and good for food. You ate it because you needed to be smart. You needed some comfort. You, you, you needed some... You looked at it as your healer. You looked at it as your salvation. You looked at it as your deliverer. And then you end up having to put up with that thing. God, when you do those kind of things, he does this. He comes like he usually does. I like the fact he came at the cool of the day. See, I, I wake up in the morning and the first thing out of my mouth, seriously, the very first thing out of my mouth is cool. Thank you, Jesus. That's on my way to the bathroom. That's the second thing I do. I don't want to get too detailed for you, but I'm just giving you a routine. Now I'm getting ready. I'm going to go out and run. I pop some worship music in my ears. I'm going to go out and run, have some conversation with God, talk and listen. Okay? So I begin my day like that. You know how God likes to end his day? He's with you all day long, but he loves to end his day by showing up and saying, hey, how do we do? <laughs> what do we buy today? We're the, we're the body of Christ. We're the proper 31 woman. Jesus likes, Holy Spirit likes to come in the name of Jesus and say, babe, what did we buy today? Did we buy a piece of land? Did we deal in some real estate? See, he sits in the gate, but we're joined to him. What did we do today? God wants to come in the cool of the day and say, yeah, I like it, I like it. So on the worst day, this is what God said. Adam! Adam, Adam, hey Adam, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you? See, he's demonstrating sin never stopped God from seeing Adam for who Adam really was. Because God is not what defines who God is for Adam. <laughs> Father is what defines who God is for Adam. And the Father's love always does this. Adam! Hey, Adam! Adam! Adam, where are you at? I was looking forward to our conversation. Where, Adam, where, where are you? Well, I heard you. I heard you coming. And I was ashamed. I was afraid because I was naked. The number one thing that stops you from hearing God is shame. And God never puts shame on anyone. Shame comes on you when you disconnect from the one who washes shame off. So in this very beginning, God is revealing his nature to Adam. Sin does not create a problem for God. It creates a problem for man. To be disconnected from life will kill you. To be connected to life will make you born again. <laughs> so whatever view we have of God will determine what we can become. I talked about our world. Whatever view of God we have determines what we can become. 
And God wants us to know him in an intimate way so that we can bring life to our world. Acts chapter 17 is a story where Paul comes into Athens. He's up on the hill where they have all their shrines, all their idols. In the first part of the chapter, he goes up there and he sees all their idols and it says that he's provoked in his spirit. He's angry, but he's not angry at people. Paul is up on the hill and he's angry. Did you know God is angry, but he's not angry at people? Paul's a great example of God's character in Acts 17. He goes up on the, on the hill, he goes up on that hill and he sees all the, the, the idol worship. They got a God for this war. They got a God for that kind of war. They got a God for this kind of love and a God for that kind of love and, and a God for fruitfulness and, and a God for prosperity. They got a God for healing. They got a God for their salvation. They got all kinds of gods. But they have one sign up there that says to the unknown God. And Paul didn't bring a foreign God into their city. He pointed to the finger to the one God they hadn't been able to figure out. Because God doesn't make you smart. He makes you alive. Even when he gives you a personal testimony, he gives you a personal testimony because he gives you a daily manna and a white stone. He gives you a, a, a daily manna inside, and he, gives, and, he, and he gives you a white stone, a new name, that only you know. You become an overcomer because he gives you a daily manna. Let's translate it. Manna means what is it? He gives you a daily what is it? What is it? It's more important that you know what is it than you know what it is. He gives you a daily what is it, and that is your bread. What is it? He's going to do today something different than he did yesterday because you already know what he did yesterday. And you don't need a what it is. You need a what is it? <laughs> because your world needs life and you need life to change your world. So in Acts 17, Paul is called before the council. He explains to them, I saw my God up on your hill. And then down in verse 24, says, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. He never, ha he never has, he never will. He visited some temples made with hands, but he's always desired to live in a temple that is not made with hands. You are the temple of Holy Spirit. He doesn't dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with man's hands as though he needed anything. Since he gives to all breath or life, breath and all things, he gives to all. God does not need anything. We worship today, God doesn't need us to worship him today. We sing songs, God doesn't need us to worship him. We need to worship him. His world doesn't change when we worship him. Our world changes when we worship him. He doesn't need us to read our Bibles. We need to read our Bibles. His world doesn't change when we read our Bibles. Our world changes when we read our Bibles. He doesn't need us to tell anybody about him. No, we need to tell people about him. Because when we tell people about him, our world changes. Their lives change. He's a giver. He wants us to be like him. 
He wants us to be a giver. God does not need anything. See, if you think that who he is is God, you'll get a wrong interpretation of who he is. God is what he is. Okay, when I my kids were little, I was a contractor, general contractor. I was a builder. Worked in many different forms, carpentry, many other things. And so when I came home, they didn't say, oh, great contractor. Oh, awesome contractor. You are the contractor of our world. Oh, worker of wood. Oh, glorious worker of wood. Oh, we love you so much. Come and sit at the head of the table. We've prepared some food for you. Oh, great general contractor. Oh, worker of stone. Worker of wood, we love you, oh plumbing pipe solderer. <laughs> now, I can do all those things. But when I walked into the house, my family said, Daddy, Daddy, right now I'm a grandpa. They say, they call me Gopa. You know what? I'm going to go home. My three-year-old is going to do something like this. Gopa, 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 Gopa. She's going to leap into my arms is what she's going to do. She doesn't say, oh, great prophet. Oh, awesome prophet to the nations. Oh, we're so glad you're here, oh, prophet of God. Oh, we want, we, we want you to have a place. Please come in. No, she's going to go, gopa, gopa, gopa. She's going to hug me. She's going to kiss me. <laughs> because she knows who I am, and she's not confused by what I am. See, to change our world, we have to know who God is and not get confused by what he is. Even Peter, when he's writing to born-again Jews, he's writing to these, the, the reality of the scattered Jews from Jerusalem who had said yes to Messiah. He writes to them and he talks about being a living house, a living temple. He's talking about being living stones like Jesus is the living stone. And then he says, to those who believe, Jesus is precious. But to those who do not believe, he is a cornerstone and a rock of offense. So cornerstone is what he is. And if you relate to him by what he is, sooner or later you're going to get offended because you have preconceived ideas of what a cornerstone looks like. If God is what he is, if God is, you see God as who he is instead of what he is, you have preconceived ideas of what a God should do, and you're going to get offended by God. No, to those who believe, Jesus is precious. <laughs> you know, I, I got a bottle. Thank you very much for this bottle of water. I, I drink water all day long, 70% of my, see, I get baptized when I do it too. 70% mm. of my body is water. This stuff is precious to me. I'm just saying, you know, this is precious. And you know what? Oh, man, air. God. Whew. I love air. I just It is precious to me, man. Air is precious to me. I die without air. I mean, I'm in pretty good shape. I can hold my breath a long time, but sooner or later, i got to come up for air, you know? And I need water. It's precious to me. I can't live without it. I, I'm open. I'm thinking after the service, we might go get some lunch. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, food's precious to me, too. I can't go terribly long. I mean, I can go many days, but I don't want to do that all the time. I just as soon eat something every day if, if I'm not fasting. 
because it's precious to me. I need it. My body processes it, turns it into life, turns it into energy. Water is precious to me. Air is precious to me. Jesus is precious to me. And because he's precious to me, he can be whoever he needs to be, and he can shape me. He can change how I think. He can change how I think he is because he shapes me instead of me trying to understand him by what I think is his shape. So God is what God does. He does God things. But Father is who he is. <laughs> He's always desired to be our father. Now I'm going to show you how he is. We're almost done. But I'm challenging you that in your world, be fruitful, multiply, fill, to subdue. In your marriage, to bring life to death, to change your barrenness to fruitfulness, to supply figs, to heal with leaves, to fulfill your purpose, to subdue, to bring life to your world, you're going to need to know who God is, not what he is. And whatever you perceive him to be is what you're going to become. If you believe that he hates, that he's the hater of sin, then the prophetic word that you're going to become to your world is hater of sin. If you believe that he's, you know, he, he doesn't, you know, it's not that he hates sin, it's that he loves life so much he would never even consider liking sin. <laughs> you know, it's not that God hates darkness, it's that he loves light so much he would never not want to be in the room. And when he's in the room, it becomes light. You want some good warfare weapons? Wage war against darkness by being the light. There's no such thing as a dark switch. The only place I've ever seen it is in the church. We war against darkness instead of turning on the light. Huh. When the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost, huh. the day of Pentecost, proselytes and Jews, People converted to Judaism. They're there for one reason, Pentecost. That's the only reason they're there in this city of Jerusalem. They're there to keep Pentecost. They're there to be a testimony of the Word and the Spirit. They're there to be a testimony of the people of God, the people of the Torah temple system. Whether they were born as Jews or converted as proselytes, they're there to celebrate Pentecost, and it happens. Pentecost happens. Instead of the shadow of Pentecost, Pentecost happened. Ten days earlier, Passover happened. But now Pentecost finally happened. It never happened before. Pentecost finally happens. What is Pentecost? Pentecost is where the outward evidence of you being the people of God is obvious. There is a testimony of the word and the spirit that is changing you. And so the Holy Spirit comes on them and they begin to... Oh! This is the day of the goodness of God for our Father has poured out His Spirit and that Spirit will cause the testimony of the nations to be transformed. 
because our Father is good. He's the giver of life. He's the giver of breath. He's the giver of all things. Rejoice, for this is the day of sons. This is the day of daughters. This is the day of hope. This is the day of living waters. For now the deserts will be turned into fruitful fields for his glory. They might have said something like that. Peter explains it. See, some people thinking they're crazy. Like you're thinking I'm crazy, like right now, right? See, some people thinking they're crazy. These people are drunk, you know? Some people thinking they're drunk. Some people thinking they're crazy. Some people thinking, whoa, what's going on? And so they ask Peter, Peter, what's happening here? And Peter, on the spur of the moment, gets a revelation that flesh and blood didn't reveal to him once again. And he said, ah, this is what the prophet Joel said. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your men servants, your maid servants will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Now, what's he saying? And, and then he talks about the sun will be turned black, the moon to blood. By the way, that's common terminology in scripture. It's terminology for the end of a natural kingdom because there's a supernatural kingdom that has come. My son, the light, the natural light of Ted Hansen went out May 12, 1973 when Jesus came into my life. I no longer live according to the life of the flesh. My moon turned to blood. I no longer live according to the flesh. What's the life of my flesh and bone life? Holy Spirit. It changed my world. So what's Peter said? He says, he said, this is a prophetic spirit. God speaks, life happens. God speaks, life happens. God speaks, life happens. You're going to wake up tomorrow in your world. You're going to go home. You're still in your world. <laughs> you're in your world right now. You're going to go home. You're going to wake up tomorrow. And what's going to come off of you? What are people going to see? What are they going to hear? What are they going to experience when you walk in the room? See, Jesus, as a man, he was the way. What did you see when you saw Jesus? He did what he saw the Father doing. Because he knew who God was. He knew that God is my Father. God is not God. God is my Father. God is what he does. Father is who he is. And how he does it, he's my friend. Say it again. God is what he does. Father's who he is. And how he does it is he's my friend. So much so at the end of his life, he says to the disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. Why? Because in my Father's house, there are many mansions, many spacious places. Jesus is saying, I've been a spacious place for you to see hear and experience for 33 and a half years. But I'm going to prepare a place so that you can be in a, a spacious place in your world. Not just a mansion and you die. You can be a mansionous place in this world to bring life to your world so that when people see you, they see the way. What's the way? Spirit to spirit. That's the way. The way is your spirit is joined to Holy Spirit. Your spirit becomes holy. Your soul becomes holy. Your life becomes holy. You begin to become an expression of life. What is holiness? Give life. 
God never takes. He gives life. What's going to happen when you wake up tomorrow morning? Are you going to be the way? Are you going to be, do you see who your father is? He's your father. You're my daddy. And how are you my daddy? You're my friend. Ooh, so many weapons have been formed against fathers. Heal our land. Heal us there this morning, Holy Spirit. Just come right now, Holy Spirit. You come. You were sent of the Father in the name of the Son so that we would know that we are sons and daughters to a heavenly Father who's our friend. Who says, eat, 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 eat. Live, 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 live. Why? So that you can bring life to your world. Because you're connected to the one who gives life. And then he gives breath. You're an expression of him. What do people hear when you walk into the cool of the day? Do they hear faith? Do they hear hope? Do they hear love? What do they hear? Holy Spirit makes you prophetic. Prophecy is God speaks, life happens. It has nothing to do with knowing what to do or where you're going. That might happen every now and then. It has to do with who are you? What are you? Whatever your view of God is, is what you become in this world. If you believe that God is an angry God, then you're going to be an angry voice. People are going to see anger, hear anger, experience anger when you walk in the room. If you think God is an, is an informational teacher, what are you going to do? You're going to, they're going to, when they look at you, they're going to see information. They're going to hear information. They're going to experience information. If you believe that he's a giver of life, he's a father who loves you, then you're going to walk into the room and they're going to see the father who loves them. Whose sin did not create a problem for him. It created a problem for them. They're disconnected. Don't be disconnected anymore. You have a father who loves you. And he gives you your identity. He wants you to become truth. Authentic and real. You begin to crumble lies. And then he wants you to be the life. What happens in the room that you are in. In the lives of others. Because fruit and leaves are not for you. They're for your world. I'm going to pray for us. Because we are dads, moms. Today's Father's Day. Every day is our Father's Day. So I'm going to pray that we see our Father as the giver of life, breath, and all things. Um, I don't know what your, your need is in your home and your family, whether it's with your spouse your children, your grandchildren, your brothers, your sisters, your friends, or even your enemies. I'm going to pray that we receive a revelation to see you, God, for who you really are. You are our Father. Our Father. In heaven. Our Father. Holy is your name. Holy is your character, your nature, your way, your power, your authority. Holy is our family substance. Holy are you, Father. We're calling on you, Father, to cause us to become who we really are. We are sons and daughters. We are life-giving waters.
We are life expressions into our world. We pray that in our marriages we will be life-giving expressions of you, Father, that wash off shame, that bring healing to our spouses. We pray that you will, you will anoint us, release this, this life-giving water that comes from the Father, from you, Father God, has all the power of God, but is expressed as a life-giver who's a friend that you will allow this to be the life that affects our children and our children's children. Tomorrow in our workplace, let us be someone that our workmates can see, can hear and experience. They, they see life. There's something prophetic coming off of us. God is speaking. Life is happening. Light is, is streaming into darkness. And if there's a conviction of sin, it's because we're walking in relationship with you. We're not there to condemn it. We simply walk and there's conviction and people are drawn to want to walk in that relationship with you, God. Help us to see you as Father, Abba. Help us to see who you really are so that we can become who we really are. Even as you said, when the fullness of time had come, you sent your Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because we are sons, God, you have sent forth the spirit of your son into our hearts, and it cries out, Abba, Father. As Galatians 3 said, for we are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. We are what? Sons of God, inheritors, male and female, sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many who were baptized, submerged into Christ, submerged into the identity of Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Abraham's seed. Jew and Greek. Slave and free, male and female, sons of God. You are heirs according to the promise. Heirs of what? Heirs of being a blessing into this world. To change this world by the power of your nature, Father. That you are the one who does not need anything. But you give life, you give breath, and you give all things. We want to be like you. We want to give life. We want to give breath. We want to give all things. We want to testify of the way. We want to be the sound of the truth. We want those that we come in contact with in our world to experience the life. We are anointed for this. We are anointed for this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. We are anointed for good news. We are not anointed for bad news. We are anointed to free captives. We're not anointed to make captives out of anyone. We are anointed to open prison doors. We're not anointed to close people into prison. We are anointed to proclaim the acceptable year, the year of jubilee. Names restored, debts forgiven. We're anointed for that. 
We're not anointed to put people into debt, into bondage, and disinheritance. We're anointed to demonstrate rooting up every enemy, to declare the vengeance of God to every demon of hell that tries to taint the identity of our family or taint the identity of those in our world. We're anointed. We're not anointed to destroy. We're anointed to liberate, to bring freedom. We're not anointed for heaviness. We're anointed to bring joy. We're not anointed for, for uh, heavy burdens. We're anointed for praise. We're not anointed for discomfort. We're anointed to comfort. Why? We are mandated to see people in our world planted in relationship with you, Father, as trees of righteousness, as eat, 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 eat trees. We are anointed to see people planted in a relationship with you. And we know that in our world, everything is going to be rebuilt. It's going to be repaired. It's going to be raised up because you are the giver of life. In Jesus' name, you've made this possible. And we thank you for this life. Amen. Amen. I hope you have received the prophetic word of God today because the word is, be the word of life to your world.